And as per usual, uh, we are calling this episode after a track on the Foggy Jew album from 1965. And the third song on that album was Dicey Riley. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and Dicey Riley, um, I suppose that talking about it, it would be... Well, actually, before we get into it, I'm going to want to dedicate this episode to Paul Leckie, who recently uh, passed away. And Paul was a big Celtic fan and could be seen on regular occasions in Padder Browns. And uh, he, uh, I'm not too sure, but he, he was a young enough man. I remember seeing him a couple of times that I was in Padders. Um, and uh, our condolences to his wife, Elaine, and his young son, who was only 10, Patrick. Oh, dear, dear. That's what a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'd like to dedicate this to uh, Elaine and Patrick and a memory of Paul. Anyway, um, back to Dicey Riley. So Dicey Riley, that would be more synonymous with the Dubliners, yet you, the Wolf Towns recorded in 1965 and the Dubliners didn't record it until 1967 in, on their album More of the Hard Stuff Yeah well I don't know about that because we were singing that long before it was recorded and uh, you know it was a song that I got and uh, collected and I actually wrote a verse to it and uh, when it was playing in the four chords you know back in the early 60s and and at the gigs around, I added two claps where, you know, poor old Dicey Riley, she has taken to the sup. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then I added, she owns a little sweet shop at the corner of the street. So that was the, the, the verse I put to it. And uh, added two claps. And then everybody picked up on it. And I think the Dubliners had the two claps on it as well. So... You know, it's something that I started. They probably, you know, picked up the song somewhere off somebody, but we never got credited for it. Um, but it didn't matter. You know, it's all part of uh, the growing up with our ballads and our, our songs of our city and of our country, and they were to be shared to the world and not to be, not to be. Let's put it this way: hidden away in your pocket somewhere. 
But it, it's it's documented that you guys did it first, so there you go. Yeah, you, well, we you, probably you recorded, were. Yeah. Well, you recorded in 1965. Dubliners didn't do it in 1967. <laughs> yeah. so, so. Well, there was lots of songs like that, including including uh, the Rocky Road to Dublin, which we never recorded, by the way, but we were singing around Dublin long before anybody else. And when, when we'd be at a session somewhere, you know, the clubs around Dublin or wherever, or in the pubs, uh, Luke Kelly would never sing it when we were around. No, no, that's the that's the lad's song. No, they, that's their song. So he heard the first from obviously from the Wolf Tones uh, songs like the Galway Races and other songs we had um, probably out before anybody else. Because as I mentioned before, we were collecting songs and bringing them bringing them to life. And I spent days and days in. Uh, the National Library in Dublin uh, picking out songs and getting songs together working out the melodies and all that kind of thing and uh, so yeah we, we had a lot of stuff out there before other people grabbed onto it and the sun, sun is burning will be another one. Well, the sun is burning was a, a song that was written by, by Ian Campbell. Campbell yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Ian Campbell, we played um, we played in Ian Campbell's folk club, which is in Birmingham going back to uh, the time we made our first record. And in actual fact, uh, when we made our first record, we'd done a small little tour uh, of England. And uh, one of the places we played, apart from, there were mainly all other ballrooms doing spots of ball uh, dances. But uh, we we played in the Ian Campbell Folk Club in Birmingham. And uh, yeah, he gave us that song and we put it on record and... We kind of put harmonies to it. We'd done a different job in it. I remember he was delighted with the work we did on it. Uh, and I think his son um, uh, afterwards contacted me years and years later. He said, why don't you come down and we do something together? I said, where are you? He said, I'm down in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hold on there for a minute, Ian. I'll be over to you now. I bet you go now. You, you go anywhere. I don't think he was paying the fare now. I think it was paying me own. Oh, right. <laughs> well, it's still a good story. Yeah. And uh, looking back over the history of Dicey Riley and uh, reading up a little bit about it, not a whole lot now, to be honest, but Dominic Bean um, added some verses to it and the reason, <laughs> I know, but the, the reasoning behind it, they reckon, now this is what they reckon, is that if, if it was a traditional arrangement, obviously Dicey Riley, and then if you added your own words to it, you got a, a bit of the, uh, what do you call it? The, Not really, because like you could always get... Um, royalty. You could, you, you could always, always get a royalty as an arranger of a traditional work. Right. And uh, that, that wasn't exclusive to everybody or anybody, but... If I had put words to it and you used that particular version, I would be entitled to uh, some royalties from that version. Because the version that we all know, and I think, I, I, do you know, I haven't listened to your version of it yet. Now, I downloaded it so I can play it at the end and we'll have a listen to it at the end. <laughs> but the version, I'm pretty sure that you didn't use the version that added all the prostitution into it. No, 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 no. It was, it was a simple little song and... Uh, I imagine it started off as kind of a children's rhyme. I, I don't know, but maybe it did. And, you know, drinking, of course, parents drinking and everything else was all part of Dublin life, wasn't it? Mm. Like, I always remember, you know, my grandmother had... A, a, her father was a fisherman, Tommy Byrne. Yeah. The skipper Byrne, as he was known. And uh, 
she I collected a lot of songs off her, including like uh, the Peeler and the Goat yeah. that that we recorded later on. But uh, she had this song, and it was about her. It was her father's song that they sang when they were out fishing, and it was like up comes the up up comes the day. What about the up comes? Up comes the conger eel with his fishy tail. Then take me away, boys. I'm on the wrong sail with your hardy weather, boys. Stormy weather, boys. When the wind blows, we'll pull together, boys. One, two, three, four. four. And that's the way they pulled on the oars All right. as they went out there. And then another guy would sing about it, and up comes this fishy, whatever it would be, yeah, be yeah, a, yeah. a white thing, a herring or whatever. And uh, they'd first go on and then they'd pull again, one. So that's the way it was done. And that, that was my grandfather's uh, sea shanty. He had, a, he had a ship called the Mary Ann. The Mary Ann. The Not the Marita. <laughs> that was a bit after that. <laughs> But I suppose that helped get away the monotony of going to work and, and, and rowing and it helped them all row together and keep them in time. Yeah, well, you got to remember that the, he had a trawler and, you know, you got to remember that uh, it was the time of sail. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't any kind of engines around at the mm. time, either steam or otherwise, uh, for his ship anyhow. But it, they trawled by having rowing boats and... And the, the the main trawler, and they'd pull a trawl between them, and they did catch what they could. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this in the old, but the old sh- sea shanties are brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my my grand she had a, had some of them that they sang around Dublin, and um, and uh, you know she passed them on. I think we might have got through one or two during the years. Yeah. But she 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 was a wealth of uh, folklore. Let's put it that way. She had loads of stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. You'd love to have a tape recorder and go back and... and yeah, well, I did tape her uh, at some stage uh, and I still have her on tape. Um, she sings... Uh, oh, she had all kinds of songs and she was um, she was not a lover of the black and tans, I can tell you. She hated, hated them. Did she, did she and, have uh, a bad experience or <laughs> just hated them in general? Uh, she seen what they did? Yeah, well, they, they, they came in. She lived in, um, she lived in the railway cottages there in Inchicore. And of course, uh, my mother remembers the black and tans coming in, and they used to they, they used to slag them when they came in, jeer them, and they'd uh, you know the kids, and they did things like oh the Boers they were fighting and the British couldn't fight, <laughs> so the Boers took out their rifles and they blew them out of sight. <laughs> sound the jungle sound, sound the bugle sound the drum. Hurrah for Billy the Barber, the hell with the king and his own tingling, and hurrah for I don't know what Raff, we wanted, whatever you wanted to say, but that, she sang that all the time in you know, the Boers they were fighting. Of course, the Boer War yeah, yeah. of the eighteen nineties would yeah. have been part of her experience of life. Yeah, I remember Grandma used to take us for walks down through Inchicore, um, and there just before the Black Horse, there there was a little old. Um, headstone there where uh, some I think it might have been it was during the Civil War where there was a lorry 
blown up there or something. Oh yeah, like that. That, that was on the. He used to tell us that story. Yeah, no, that was that was on the Nays Road. <laughs> yeah, and and there's a small little monument there. Yeah, just at the park where you That's go down the, the park, hill. Yeah, 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 opposite the Canac. As you go down into yeah. Canac Valley, yeah, that was a, that was a civil war mm. uh, monument. Yeah, and there was a, a, a truck blown up there. Yeah, I remember him telling us about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He would have known about that because, like, uh, although he would have been only very young, yeah, you know, he was born in nineteen nineteen, yeah, so he so would have been yeah. only two or three. Yeah. I always thought that he had seen us the way he described us. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably very much in, down his, in the folklore of, of his memory. Yeah. So in Dicey Riley, they talk about the hop. Is the hop is the pawn shop? Is it? Yeah, the hawk. 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 To hawk your clothes. Yeah. yeah. Hawk. Do you have yeah. it? Did you ever have an experience of the, the hocker? Everybody in Dublin uh, hocked something at <laughs> some stage. Uh, all working class Dublin, but it was, a, it was a very... Nobody ever wanted to... It, it, people were very proud and they didn't want the neighbours to know that you were going to the pond or anything like yeah. that, you know. So you, you were probably given something and you had to hold it under your coat, get on the bus, go down to James's Street... And there was a, a pawn office there. You go in discreetly and whatever you were pawning, but it could be your father's suit. Yeah. Yeah, and you go in there and, yeah, you'd, you'd get 10 shillings or whatever it would be for it. And then to get it back for Sunday Mass, you had to go down on Saturday morning and uh, redeem it. Yeah. <laughs> give back, you had to give back the 10 shillings plus the interest. I remember even as a, as a child, like you used to see a lot of the, you know, the symbol at the pawn shops, the tree yeah, the ball. three brass balls hanging out. <laughs> With me three brass balls hanging outside me. I remember there was, uh, the, I thought, is there one now in Dublin? I don't even know. Is there still one? Yeah, I, th- I, I, I seem to remember there just still in, um, uh, as you turn around there from Parnell Street going uh, up Cable Street, there's Brereton's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I don't know whether he's still active as a pawn shop, yeah. but I mean, the credit union and things like that got away, you know, for the pawn shop. As I said, my grandfather, uh, Cunningham, he he started the, the, the loan societies in Dublin, which were the forerunners uh, of the credit unions. And I was watching the programme there uh, about two years on RTE and they were, they were going through, um, you know, the formation of the loan societies and the credit unions. And it showed the loan societies before the credit unions. I looked it up there and I say, oh, there's me granda. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe I saw it up there. I could never get the programme back again. I would have loved to get that photograph. But he's, he's, in, he's in that photograph with a, a lot of other people. Yeah. I think I remember one being down on Clambrassel Street, somewhere along Clambrassel, just as you go through Leonard's Corner there on the right. I don't know whether it's still there now. but that's, Yeah, there was a pan office there. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember yeah. that when I worked down that direction. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there was lots of pan offices around Dublin. I mean, that was, that was you know, everybody at some stage or another needed a, a dig out or the behind in rent or sickness happened. Um, they'd get whatever valuables they had. Might be a camera might be, you know, might be a piece of jewellery. Yeah. Might be even their wedding rings. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when they got into trouble, uh, you know, the pawn shop uh, helped them out. And a lot of the stuff was never redeemed again. Yeah. Lost forever to the family. But there were hard times, so they needed that outlet. Um, you know, there probably extortion rates of interest. But yeah. 
Well, it still goes on. Yeah, know, it still yeah. Goes loans, on, sharks, yeah. and all that well, kind there's, of thing. Yeah, there's loans, but there's also, like, uh, I would say, credible. But their interest rates are, like, four or five hundred percent or something. Oh, yeah, like well, it wasn't that bad now. Yeah. I think I think you might have paid, like, if you got 10 bob, it, it might have been, like, uh, 10% of it or something, or yeah. 5% yeah. of it, which... Probably 10%, yeah. Which, for, is, for the which week, is fair enough, For yeah. the week, yeah. 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 <laughs> you can imagine if it left it there for a year. still a risk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to bring us down now. I watched the Celtic game last night. I know that you didn't. Um, no, I, did, I didn't. No, no, I had a... I had, had a Lara and our, our, over for dinner last night, yeah. Well, you did they're, in, they're in our bubbles, so we're okay. You did yourself a favour anyway. <laughs> you didn't lose two hours of your life. It just uh, it gets more frustrating, more frustrating. I think Rangers only need seven points now to win the league. And yeah, they can, yeah, win, it in, they can yeah. win it in Celtic Park if they win their next two games. What a, I mean, what a turnaround from, you know, the years gone by, you know, nine in a row. And they couldn't lose anything. They were playing so well. And just... You know, the turn, flick of a hand, the flick of oh, yeah. a light, you know, the, everything has changed. And it's hard to understand that it went so bad so quick. Yeah. It comes down to many reasons, I, I believe, but we're not, uh, we're not really going to it in, in this. You, <laughs> you don't want to anymore. insult anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that I don't want to insult anyone. It's just that there's enough people doing podcasts and stuff about Celtic already that I don't want to get into it. I just yeah. wanted to give out and just... just just went. Let off steam. But I know Grand Warfield would have been happy because Everton beat Liverpool over the weekend. Oh yeah, that was a great yeah. win. And you know, that's probably the reason I like Everton. Um, my father uh, and my uncle Tommy Maloney, uh, they used to go across to Liverpool um, on the boat back, um, back in their young days, I mm. guess. And the two of them went over there and uh, followed the games. But at that stage... Um, Liverpool or uh, Everton used to fly the tricolour. Yeah. And uh, they were very much the Irish side in in, in uh, Liverpool and they had that great Irish connection. Um, you also still hear them singing Hail, Hail. Yeah. <laughs> As one of their theme songs. But they also ha- sang the Irish anthem at one stage. So, like, they were very Irish side. Yeah. Um, until, I suppose... Yeah, before my time, anyhow, they they'd lost that real connection to Ireland. Yeah, I remember we went across two years ago. Was it two years ago? We, we did. Yeah, yeah, we met Seamus Coleman. What yeah. a n- nice guy he oh, is. We had a great time. Yeah, he really yeah, looked after us. Really, yeah. really yeah. nice fella. It was Tony Sage that looked after you as well, wasn't it? Tony Sage. <laughs> Tony Sage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah fantastic, and uh, we had a great time. We brought over one of my grandchildren, uh, Orlan. And he 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 really enjoyed it. He, he's mad into football. But he's a Man United. I, yeah, I was, was not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like Man United. No, I was never a Man United man. You know? <laughs> no. no, I was always Everton. No, same as myself. Well, yeah. it's not Everton, but I was Liverpool when I started off. But the first time I went to Celtic, once I walked in that ground... I knew. You were one over. Well, I'm still a Celtic fan, but yeah. uh, if you're talking about the English Premiership, you know, that uh, Everton would be my preference. Mm. I don't watch the English Premiership so much anymore. Um, I just find it hard to watch football and sport in general just without the crowds. Without the crowds. Yeah. Come on! <laughs> it's just, and the, the things that they add to it is 
you know, is yeah. Well, and then you hear them shouting as well. Like uh, sometimes the they get yeah, around. Someone yeah, presses yeah, the wrong yeah, button yeah. or whatever. But uh, it's 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 not the same. Of course, it's not the same. But you know, it it's the way it is during this bloody pandemic. And uh, you know, I can't wait till it's over. I'm sure everybody's the same. You know, where I'm waiting on a vaccine because uh, I'm I'm old. I'm in the older cohort. <laughs> and I've underground uh, underlying issues, conditions, conditions. Yeah, 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 diabetes and Parkinson's and God knows what. But yeah, I'd be I'd be delighted to get it, and the sooner the better. And I've no, I won't have any objections to it. That's for sure. And has anyone been in contact with you, or have you received any communication? I, I can't see it happening now. They're just talking about. You see, they're on the over eighties, eighty fives. I think now. And I'm You're still I, too young. I, I'm still I'm still only a young fellow <laughs> <laughs> at seventy four. So yeah, so I'm I'm waiting to get to my age group, and then I'll be out there like a light. Oh, yeah, I was quite jealous looking at uh, or listening to the UK, you know, and their their pathway to coming out of lockdown. Did you yeah, see that today? Yeah, I did. They're, they're talking about yeah, yeah, June. Yeah, June the twenty first. Well, that's it. That's something to look forward to. Maybe you get a gig in, in. Uh, but, but Leo won't know you travel. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I'll be down there. And try to, no, 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 no. But 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 you can't. You're, no, not, no, 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 you're no. not allowed. No, but that's like that's something that we need. We need something with like because when they released the the nine weeks or when they were speaking about the nine weeks on Friday, my whole world just fell apart. I just, I seriously, I got so depressed, like I did. Like I really did, it really yeah. hit me and all day Saturday, I just could not lift the mood. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't let it get me down at all. I just get on with life. Um, I was out in the garden today, I had a great, I was digging the garden and just a little plot. Yeah, but see, you have nice, fresh country air out here. Yeah, of course. And, and you could have it too. <laughs> <laughs> but I went out yesterday and I went walking up in the woods and that cleared my head and that's what I needed. Yeah, you yeah. Know, just to... Everybody's the same. I, I went out for a walk around the lakes there, Blessington, on Sunday and it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it was lovely yesterday, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we had a... Two grandchildren with me and my daughter, Siobhan, and uh, and my wife, came out with us and we walked all around the lake and then we went back for a pizza, which is on the open. It's open there. They set up from a bus there at the Avonry. It was really nice and back then and, you know, that was your Sunday morning outing. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, like, if you got... I'm I'm an advocate for that you should be able to meet outside because you're out in the fresh air. The chances of the virus transmitting if you're keeping your two meter distance and all that. That's right. I think, yeah. and we're social people. We need to be able to meet people without meeting people. It's just you know, it's. I think especially people that live alone. Like I think if I was living alone, I'd. <laughs> God knows. Yeah, well, I've I've seen a lot of people out walking yesterday, and they would have been in you know kind of my age group or older. Uh, some of them alone and walking around. They, some of them wore a mask, some of them didn't, but you're not going to bump into people, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's very safe. Yeah, but I also believe they should lift to 5K. Um, yeah, well, they probably have it for other reasons. I wouldn't know, but... You know. But the reason, like, for reason for why, like, in my area alone, like, 
because there's so many people in that area that I live, the streets are crowded. Like, you know, so it's actually yeah. probably more dangerous walking the streets because they're, you're coming up against more people. Like, you know, so yeah. if I could go 10 kilometers, I could go out into the, the hills out here. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know? you're out in the fresh air, yeah. up the mountain on your own. What uh, you you're not uh, near anybody. You know, yeah. the odd fox, maybe. <laughs> Well, that's what we see. I actually seen Deer yesterday, which was quite, quite yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was looking back. You released the, your first single that you released was The Spanish Lady. Yeah, yeah. And Down in the Mines in 1965. But Spanish Lady never appeared on any of your albums. No, it never did. And, you know, we probably done, we probably had uh, too much stuff when yeah. I think about it. Um, and I said, um, we did those couple of records for, for Fontana. We didn't complete her contract because it was bought out by Oliver Barry. And uh, now, since then, um, Dolphin Records, which is, still exists uh, with um, the younger O'Reilly, <laughs> Paul, and it's still there, but they, you know, they don't own them, but uh, they, they're not contract-free, but uh, they still have the tapes. Right. I don't know where the Spanish lady's gone to. Nobody could find it. Yeah. I asked on several occasions, you know, maybe we'll record it again. Yeah, they were very, they were very good to us and, uh, over the years. And uh, I mean, they, they splashed us out in the New Musical Express and we were on Radio Caroline and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so they, they spent, spent a lot of money on They spent a bit of dough, yeah. They did, Even though they didn't give you any money to, no, to, we to, ne- to travel. <laughs> we never we never got money, no. We paid our own way. Well, I'm looking at uh, our my cousin's band now in in London. Yeah, Patrick. yeah. Uh, the Lock In Band, yeah. Yeah, and how well they're doing and the and the promotional side of it, and they're they're really flying, and it's great to see it like a young band like that. Just uh, they're not playing rebel music; they're more <laughs> <laughs> more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and. Patrick Patrick Murphy, uh, who's my nephew, uh, he he's loved the Wolf Tones from you know the very start. And I remember when we were over in Florida together one stage. Um, he was only a young lad, about six or so, and you know, and I had the banjo over there and everything else. So he says, uh, "Let's play stages." You know, so we, we got, there was a bit of a fireplace that became the stage. Now he says. I want uh, you be Tommy and I'll be Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted to be Brian and uh, he made me be Tommy. So there you go. That's the way we were playing bands when, when he was only seven. But he's a good kid. They, he writes all the music, by the way. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, he's uh, a very talented young man. So I said to him, I was talking to him there a couple of weeks ago and I said, tell you what I'll do. Patrick, I'm going to write a song for you. <laughs> so I'll have to delve back into my youth to see can I get some kind of a teeny bop team. <laughs> I just listen to a bit of Ed Sheeran and you'll get some inspiration from that. Just see, we wrote the Galway Girl actually, so you can. <laughs> and it, but it's it's good to see. I'm actually enjoying following their progress on 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 it, and that's one good thing about social media. You know, uh, you can you can follow the the rise and rise of that. Like they've gone from. I remember watching the first show that Elaine put up, and you know they, they were, although confident young band, they were yeah, you know yeah, you could yeah. see that they weren't used to performing on stage. To now they're just like 
Yeah, they're very good. Yeah. The, the confidence will build. Oh, like, definitely, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like us all. Jeez, oh, when I went first went on stage, I right, had a clue. I was afraid of my life. I wouldn't even sing. Sure, it was myself, Phil King, and John Walsh, and I just had no confidence to sing at all. Yeah. I just believed I had a shite voice, and yeah. the reason I remember going to. Um, there was a play being put on in, in Blessington and uh, it was in St. Joseph's Hall and you, uh, the auditions, you had to go up and it was, the auditions, you had to sing the Whistling Gypsy. Remember that song? Yeah, yeah, Whistling yeah. Gypsy came over the hill. Yeah. I think it was Leo McGuire's song, is it? I think it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a very popular song when yeah. I was a kid. Oh my God, that was... Uh, and what you had to do, everybody was sitting along and the one that was picking the people, you know, she says, if I tap you on the head now, you'd be working behind the stage, like, you know, so I was there, obviously, my voice was breaking at the time, which didn't help, and I was there singing away to my heart's content, whistling, gypsy, giving it loads, and next of all, bang, tapping the head. Like, yeah, backstage. Yeah. I said, fuck that, I'm out of here. <laughs> I didn't do any backstage work. But it, I lost a lot of confidence in in that moment. Like, you know, yeah, just, of course you would, yeah. yeah. But I wasn't yeah. a very confident person, you know. And uh, so when when I st- when we started off playing, and then the other problem I had was that because I was a son of a wolf tone, everyone expects you to be brilliant. <laughs> no, they do. They think it just comes natural, like, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so... I was always afraid of, of of putting that forward, you know, oh, I'm a son of a wolf town. So I never, whenever I was trying to get a gig or anything like that, I would never say that. Like, never not that I would that anyway, but, but uh, yeah, I was always afraid of um, that there would be an expectation on me because I was a son of, son of a wolf town. Yeah, 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 well, probably, yeah, yeah. Like you do, I suppose, you know, like I, I need a, I need the people. But, I mean, you, you see running through families too that... You know, the, the you know, there might be a famous singer in a family and you know, there'll be always others who want are, are as good and sometimes better. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not you know, it's it's kind of a, a thing that's in families, I think. Yeah. But it's it's a confidence thing as well. You know, you need to be a confident person to own, well, own that, the stage, you know. That's that's part of it, yeah. yeah. You know, you might have the talent and the talent without the confidence to do it mm. is lacks that performance and to get that confidence on stage you need to do it a lot you need to do it a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. back when you were starting off you were playing seven nights a week so you got plenty of uh, well not not at the immediate start you know but we we did uh, took every we took every gig that was going and uh, I think that's important and then you know we did a lot of charity work as well yeah. for and and if anything came around, we do it, you know. Yeah. And it was a great experience. Well, I think it's important to do charity work. You know, we do yeah. quite a lot of it as well. You know, we mm. never turn it down. Put it that way, unless we we've got yeah. something else on. And if we can, if we can rearrange the other gig and do the charity gig, yeah. we, we'll always do that. Because mm. for me, it's not about the money. I just love playing music. You know, you do, yeah. you do. Yeah. And well, when you get, I suppose, to our age, like we, we used to do a lot of charity, we just can't, we don't have the you're energy. You're not doing as many, do, yeah, you're not yeah, doing yeah, as I many couldn't, gigs, yeah. couldn't do, yeah. you couldn't work every night of the week when, you know, you know, we do a couple of gigs a year and as much as we can. I mean, Tommy's 76 uh, this year and I'm 74. Yeah. 
Noel, 75. You've done well to get this, this far. Like this, <laughs> there's, there's a lot more healthier groups that went before you that are not, not around at a younger age. They left at a younger age. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah, we're, we're very looking blessed in a way, in a way that, um, you know, the, the whole group, um, I don't want to put a better touch wood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, um, I'm gonna touch yeah, it's, we just don't want to, you know, as I said, my grandmother used to say to us when we were kids, live as long as you can and die when you can't help it. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do now. Well, these are doing a good job and long may it last. And considering, like, I remember as a kid, like, going to gigs, like, in Chuck Forbo and Glen Eagle and Two Mile Inn and, and all these places and the smoky atmosphere, like, the the pile of smoke that used to go through it because there was oh, no terrible. ventilation in them. Yeah. Most of the venues would have big, thick curtains around them, you know, just... To, to yeah, for windows, yeah, you know, yeah, so people yeah. couldn't see in or whatever, and and uh, like. But if you look at it, look at it, um, you know, the Clancy brothers, yeah, uh, they they grew up in them smoky um, atmospheres as well, and sang in them as we did, but they, they probably spent longer in it because, like, um, they they were around a few years before we came on, yeah, but. Uh, Liam and Tommy Bacon, they died of, uh, you know, the, the, the chest thing where the, you know, smoke inhalation and all that kind of thing. Uh, eczema. Or, emphysema. Uh, emphysema, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, you know, it did, it did take its toll. Yeah. And Jim McCann, he died of throat cancer. Well, G- uh, throat cancer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim McCann died. I knew Jim very well. I mean, you, of course, everybody... We all started back in the old folk clubs and all that. And yeah. We knew one another and all that kind of thing. I remember when Jim went to, to, to Giant of Johnson's and, you know, oh no, the Ludlow's, wasn't it? I think it was the Ludlow's he joined there. Uh, I never even heard of the Ludlow's yeah. there. <laughs> well, they had a, they'd done Dominic's being song, The Sea Around Us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it oh, became a sea, number one. Oh, the sea, and the water did rise quite rapidly. Oh, my, it's all between me. Oh, England and me, yeah, yeah. It's a sure guarantee we always... That was Dominic Bean's song, and the Ludlows had a number one with us, which, you know, was up there. It was a great song. Yeah. And they did a lovely version, and that's something... When we had the four chords going in Dublin, almost every single act that ever came out of Ireland played there. Yeah. And every manager was on to us every week, can you put on so-and-so, so-and-so this week, can you do so? We're on, can you put the Johnsons on this week, the Ludlows this week? It was just, we filled that place every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And it was a huge success. Everybody tried to take it over, like um, Mr. Tennant, who owned the, um, owned the hotel, He'd say, there's more people up this week looking for your gig. <laughs> and was it three nights? It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday? It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, then he, you know, when it, when it come up to the winter time, he wanted the Saturday nights for dress dances. So then, with them we just do the Friday and Sunday. All right. But, uh, you know, he, he ran all kinds of things there and it's gone now the hotel yeah. is, doesn't exist anymore it's now part of the four courts complex right okay you know but uh, they built offices over it or whatever how long did you do that for? we've done that for about four years maybe wow. yeah yeah. Friday, and, Saturday and Sunday for four years 
No, we, we only done Fridays and Saturdays when he went into the dancing season. All oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah very good. Well, but uh, it, they were extremely popular, and they, as I said, everybody, everybody who ever got into the uh, music business, the folk bu- music business, started there. We had Luke Kelly there many times. We had, we, I don't think we, yeah, I think we had Ronnie uh, on his own. Yeah, there was breakaways on and off with the Dubliners, you know. Luke Kelly left over. I remember we got offered, we got offered a deal with um, Phil Solomons. And Phil Solomons uh, offered you a deal that uh, he'd get you you into the British charts. Yeah. Um, You could, uh, he'd have you on Radio Caroline and all that kind of thing. you uh, couldn't sing any rebel songs. Right. And uh, you, you had to, you know, like a black ribbon band and all kinds of stuff, yeah. grand. But, uh, you know, that that was the condition. You had to sign a contract with them. And uh, we refused to sign because we didn't like the clause about not singing any songs about Ireland. Yeah. So we, we never took the deal. But you were promised a, a top ten because uh, all the bloody charts were... Manipulated, yeah, you know, yeah. to, uh, and uh, you know you, you got a top ten hit uh, if you signed up. So you pretty much could buy your. Yeah, ability. well, and he owned you for five years. By the way, yeah. he, he that, I think that's why Luke Kelly left the, the Dubliners because he he paid you wage. Yeah, you got paid a wage every week. Right, and uh, it was you know he was taking the bulk of the money. So you had no control over your own no destiny for five years. No control over your destiny yeah. at all. And uh, he paid a wage and uh, he got all the money from the recordings, from the stage gigs. He made you into a big act. Yeah. He'd done the same with the, the Bachelors. Yeah. The Bachelors were a, a, a trio from Inchicore who had phenomenal success. And I remember at one stage um, he bought them all a house in Dublin, which was probably more than the contract uh, asked for. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of that going around in them days. Most of the show bands and all that were owned by people who just supplied the musicians and gave them uh, the the droppings from the the table, that's all. So it was a lot of skullduggery around, let's put it that way. A lot of manipulation. Greed and manipulation. That's terrible. As, you know, well, they're living off other people's talent. But I suppose... Yeah, the, well, you yeah, see... Yeah, it was a, yeah, I don't... You know, musicians can't have every talent, you know. And some musicians have a business sense. And some musicians would not have a business sense. I've seen great musicians who could play fantastic and everything else, but they, they couldn't put a gig together. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, or they hadn't got the... They hadn't got the business sense to do, to go in that direction, so they needed somebody else. Yeah, and that somebody else normally exploited them. Yeah, you know, so that's the way it was. Yeah. And uh, did Luke like singing a rebel song? Do you class them as rebel songs, or do you just class them as Irish songs? We, uh, I never class them as rebel songs. Um, that came from other people. I, I, they were in our family. People singing them in our family. We learned them at school. Yeah, you know, um, I didn't think historic songs. Yes, I would have seen them in that sense. Yeah. In as much that they told a story about a particular episode of Irish history, like uh, 
you know, who fears to speak at 98. I learned that at school. Yeah, great yeah, song. Yeah, it is a great song. Uh, <coughs> and 20 men from Dublin town, 20 men. I know that song, yeah. yeah you know yeah, that song. Yeah. Um, we, we learned lots of songs. Nation once again, you know, On the One Road. They were all songs that we learned at school and... Uh, we loved them, The West Wake. Yeah. Um, That's a brilliant song. It's a brilliant yeah, song. Yeah. You know, we, we learned that, you know, hundreds of songs. Like, uh, I always remember learning one in school of, uh, my grandfather died and he left me a pig, a fine old pig that would do a fine jig with the E-I-A-D-O, mammy are your daddy-O, E-I-A-D-O, down by the Luke and Dairies. Never heard that in my life. <laughs> the Luke and Dairies. <laughs> They're gone now, they're looking there. But, yeah, they, you, you know, there's loads of songs like that hanging around. People, kids would come out singing songs in the street and you'd wonder where, where did they get that one from, you know? But, uh, yeah, that song was very important in all, spec- uh, all aspects in, in, in growing up in Dublin and as much that the girls had lovely skipping songs and they had songs that they threw the balls up against the wall with and yeah. you know and they had uh, we had them in our in our time when we were kids down in Lucan when we lived down in Lucan I remember yeah, someone yeah. Who, now I wouldn't remember them off my head but I remember Siobhan and the kids just like playing that them, playing yeah, the thing, yeah. games yeah so they played the games and uh, they, they had nice songs as well we had body songs which I won't mention on this one <laughs> You can if you want. <laughs> no. Is your show to say what you want? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It's not, they're not nice. Uh, okay. But anyhow, yeah, we thought of our great when we were kids because we could say dirty words. Yeah. <laughs> I think all kids are like that, aren't they? Yeah. But anyhow, you know, it's all, it was all part of growing up and all part of life in Dublin. You know, everybody loved this song. There was a sing song on the bus. Uh, you know, when we come back from the pictures or wherever, we might be coming back from Bray on a Sunday, wherever, after being out with Dad out in, out in Bray, and on the train back, coming back in, there'd be a bloody sing song. Mm. And the whole, like, everybody from Mario Lanza to, like, <laughs> Jimmy O'D, <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean, singing. And some of them are great. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a typical thing to do on a, on a bus back then or on a tram or, or a train. Yeah, Everyone did. would break into song, but... We're probably more I like I've seen it now on Facebook where and it just becomes viral because it happens, like you know, that someone yeah. starts singing on the bus. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so unusual now, but back in the day it wasn't really. Yeah, like, no, yeah. every every bus ride especially the bus ride after the pubs. <laughs> you know, that that you were sure to find like a some kind of a a tenor or a guy or Frank Sinatra, you know, when somebody loves you, <laughs> it's no good unless he loves you all, <laughs> all the way. You know, and that, that was way. And the same with the darts, you know, when they have dart competitions and pubs and all that. I remember. I remember. Yeah, and, and the sing song would go after the, and everybody would sing their song. And, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd have the cool guy getting up there with a cigarette in his mouth. You know, I'd be doing Frank Sinatra, you know, and, and uh, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it was good crack, and it was, it was always laugh. Yeah, I remember Uncle Noel doing the, him and Frank Cheevers doing the Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd have the... That's right, yeah, yeah. The, 
they'd lay, brush. They'd lay Frank out on the table. No, it would either be a brush or a, a large bottle of stout. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. For anyone that's listening, it would be see yeah. how he rises and then the <laughs> bottle of stout would come up from underneath the coat. <laughs> but it yeah. always got a great laugh no matter where we went. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the happy days in a way, like people didn't have as much, uh, I suppose... Well, you know, things got better in the 60s and 70s, uh, but there was still a lot of, like, emigration in the 80s, and, you know, it wasn't as good as we have it now. Oh, no, it was very uh, bleak in the 80s. I even remember, yeah. you know, college, all through college and all it was... Yeah, you know, people was, didn't just was, didn't have the money. Um, everyone I knew were either in Australia, Jersey, London. Yeah. You know, yeah, they they had all, to, all emigrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, especially in the summertime to make the few bob to go back to school and all that kind of thing. So it was important to get out for the summer and do some work somewhere. Not like you, you came back broke. (laughs) Where, from America? Yeah. Oh, I came back with money. Oh, did you? Yeah, I I did all right. I didn't come back with loads of money. I bought (laughs) clothes and it. But I had a good summer. <laughs> yeah. I did. Well, no, I did. I could do, they asked me. I to gave you your reserve money and everything else. They, you never brought it back. I you didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best summers ever with them with Tom and Judy. Yeah, yeah. Great, great times. Worked out on Seaside Heights in a pizza. The pizza, what was the pizza? No, what was it called? Vacant uh, pizza, was it? No, I remember because when, when we went over, myself and Roy, we we were looking for jobs and we went along the boardwalk and we went into this motel and they gave us a job there cleaning the rooms and I was like, that's going to be crap. Like, it was, it was, you know, it was one of these real seedy motels around the seaside. <laughs> Pay by the hour. And then, we, and then we went to Burger King and we got a job there and I was like, don't want to work in Burger King for the summer. <laughs> so we went down to this uh, pub pizza place but yeah. mainly a pub the pub the, the bar ran out was out on the boardwalk like you know so it was oh, nice right, yeah. and uh, I went in and I, I said can I speak to the owner and he said um, he's downstairs and I said can I go down and see him and just mm. wait here and he said what are you looking for I said looking for jobs and uh, he says where are you from I said from Ireland so your man went downstairs we were asked down we went down into the this big huge office uh, which was in the basement, like, you know, and uh, this Italian guy, real mafia, the tash and everything. Like, you, know, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't, you know. And uh, You couldn't so, design them better. <laughs> so I started talking to him, you know, we were talking about, and I told him that I worked in a bar in Ireland and blah, 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 but I was I was too young to work behind the, the bar, their bar because yeah, you had yeah. to be 21. But I had an old uh, dodgy, well, not dodgy, uh, an old license, remember the ones that used to fold out and... Uh, before we went over, we typed up our false date of birth on it. Um, and uh, when we went over, we produced this wherever we went, you know, to get a drink. And uh, we never got refused because once you pulled this out and it folded out into this big long sheet, the, the uh, bartender or the bouncer would sort of look at it, scratch their head and send you on through. But uh, it got us an in with, uh, into the serving pizzas and stuff like that starting off and we progressed up into washing glasses and bottles and stuff like that. But it was a great summer and I really enjoyed it. And uh, it was a summer of learning and a summer of 
just enjoying the beach and just seeing a different how how different people live. Um, but I guess that we're coming near to 48 minutes, so we'll sign off and we'll play out with the Wolf Tones version of Dicey Riley. Uh, probably unknown to a lot of people that the Wolf Tones recorded this, uh, but it does predate the Dubliners' uh, first recorded version, which was 1967. And so here is the Wolf Tones with Dicey Riley. And don't forget, folks, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do give us a like, give us a share. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and the best thing you can do is recommend us to your friends. So thanks again for listening. God bless. Gurumina Mahaga Slan. She lives me there to mind the shop while she nips him for another little drop of the heart. 